I, I saw Lisa's print, normal print. Here's mine, 16 font. So <laughs> I guess I'm earning that moniker old more and more every day. Thank you. <laughs> the word love, in my humble opinion, is so overused. I, I overuse it. I love mornings. I love walking in the woods. I love seeing the wildlife in the woods. I love the Red Sox. Well, growing up when I did, it's like more like a love-hate relationship. I love good jokes. I don't like telling them, as anyone can attest to. I don't think I've ever told one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love ice cream. Well, OK, that's not overused in that, in, in that context. But love is so so often talked about, even sung about. There's a gazillion love songs. Look that word up, gazillion. The band Foreigner in 1984 wanted to know what love is. We've heard that, the, that love is a many splendid thing. We've heard some say that they love you just the way you are. Or they sing about an endless love. Elvis saying, I can't help falling in love. And Beyonce saying that she was crazy in love. Paul McCartney and Wings got fed up and sang about silly love songs, and the Jay Giles band really gave up and sang, Love Stinks. <laughs> we live in a, in a society that we're told to love the one you're with. That could be someone different next week or next month. We've even heard the question, what's love got to do with it? And some couples have their song. It's usually some sort of sappy, overly romanticized song. If it works for you, great. We use the word love so frequently, but the word beloved seems not to be used very often. Maybe at weddings and funerals. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here. It seems archaic. I've been married for 39 years. My wife and I have never had any pet names for each other. We don't call each other honey or dear. There was a great jazz tune from the 60s called Boopsie. I tried that once. Didn't fly. <laughs> I've heard refer to my wife Mary as my wife, my bride, granny, mommy. I tell her every day that I love her. But I don't ever, ever remember calling her beloved. But she is. She homeschooled our seven children. She pinched pennies until they scream. She's stuck by me for some reason for nearly four decades. My theory is we took a volatile death that was part, and therefore I've taken no life insurance po policy on myself. It's, it's safe. She's blessed me beyond my wildest dreams, but I've never called her beloved. Actually, until this week, I was preparing the sermon. Beloved is a beautiful word. The Greek word for beloved is agapetos. Agapetos. Hear the root word in there? Agape. The unconditional, pure love. That's the, that's the verb. Agapetos is the adjective or the noun. The object of the unconditional love. Friends, we are God's beloved. We're beloved children. But what does that mean to be beloved by God? 
who is this God that, that sees us and calls us his beloved? And Paul has a great declaration of, of who God is. In Colossians 1, 15 through 22, he is the image, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. The God who calls you beloved, the object of his unconditional love is a creator, sustainer, and redeemer of all of creation. He who made the universe by his very word, who holds the entire universe in the span of his hand, loves you, adores you, and cherishes you. Let that sink in for a moment. The sovereign Lord of all creation saw you and me in our sin and chose out of his love to die on the cross, the most cruel and vile death that man could conceive of, so that we can have fellowship with him and he with us. How strong is God's love for us? Paul tells us in Romans 8, 35 through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Throughout the Psalms, we read about God's steadfast love. Steadfast is such a great word. It means resolutely or dutifully or unwavering. God's love for you, his beloved, is unwavering. There's a singer back in the 80s, Michael Card, has a line in one of his songs, he cannot love you more and he will not love you less. God's love for us has changed our standing. It has moved us from the outside, separated from God, to the inside, united with him. He has called us and put a seal upon us. He has redeemed us. He has reconciled us. He has made us his people. Paul writes in Romans 9, 25 through 26, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, 
I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. Friends, we who are not his people, he calls us people, his beloved. We are called the sons of the living God. Peter, it's again, 2 Peter 9, uh, 1 Peter 9, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is holding us. He has declared us his own. He's made us into a new race. We're a, a new and unique people. Our identity is in God. I was talking to Linda this morning. This poor woman, she, she was told she wasn't an American. She's Puerto Rican, but not an American. Hello. People are confused about her identity. God is not confused about ours. We are his people, regardless of where we were born. Puerto Rico, Great Britain, America, Mexico, Colombia, France, we are God's people. What does it mean to be a part of God's new people? Here's what Ezekiel says, how he describes this. God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. He will change us. He will give us a new heart so that we can love him and one another. He will dwell within us. His spirit will dwell within us. That is our seal. We who are his children have a unique standing in the cosmos. We are a holy nation, a new race, a royal priesthood. Gospel of John tells us, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have, every, have, have eternal life. He also claims, John also writes, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We are adopted. Most of us here were raised by natural parents. They were stuck with us. They didn't get to choose us. But God has chosen you. My brother has four adopted children. And they always joke with my, with my kids, yeah, my parents chose us. There's a special standing in being adopted. But regardless of being naturally born or adopted or fostered, we all have different experiences when we grew up. Different types of fathers, different types of mothers. Some of us had great homes where we felt we were loved by our parents. Others were not as fortunate. But regardless of how we grew up, what struggles and trials we went through, whether we felt loved or not in the past, God has separated you from this world and has blessed you in the heavenly, place, in the heavenly places. Again, you are his beloved. Are you struggling with strained relationships? God loves you. Are you struggling financially? God loves you. Are you struggling with physical illness or pain? Are you struggling with depression 
and self-worth. God loves you. You are his beloved. You're the object of his love. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, and you, 1 through 7, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. We were once children of wrath. We are now children of God, beloved. We were dead in our sins. Now we're alive in Christ. We were separated from God. Now we are separated from the world to God. We are his beloved. Scripture oozes with God's love from the beginning of God, from the beginning of generation, uh, Genesis through Revelation. God demonstrates and declares his love from, from his people on almost every page of Scripture. That's great head knowledge. But there are times you don't feel it. Probably like me, there's times you wonder, does God really love me? Maybe my sin is too, too dark that God can forgive it. There's nothing farther from the truth. One of the greatest stories that demonstrates this is the parable of the prodigal son, where the father humiliates himself by running towards his son, his returning son, <clears throat> eager to embrace and celebrate him. Then in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Paul writes, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being, a, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In Hebrews, he writes, for the joy Set before him, Christ endured, endured the shame of the cross. <clears throat> if you ever doubt whether God truly loves you, hear the words of Paul in Romans 8, 31 through 32. What, sh what then shall we say to these things? Is God for us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Brothers and sisters, children of the Most High, beloved of God, you are loved more than you can imagine, you are cherished more than you can comprehend, and you are desired more than you can fathom. Your circumstances right now may make you feel that you're not loved, but you must know that you're loved anyways. You are God's beloved. You may be thinking right now, if God loves me, why am I going through what I'm going through? You may be experiencing a painful time in your life, but yes, God is treating you as his beloved. It was not until I myself became a father 
that I understood how God, who was my father, can allow pain in my life for my own good. I love all my kids, but there are times I've had to bring difficulty and hurt into their lives because I love them. Let's see if I can get through the story. I haven't yet this week. My middle daughter, Sarah, was about four years old. She had some health issues that caused her, spe- her fever to spike on a regular basis. And we knew to give her Tylenol and, and, and such to bring the temperature down. But this one day, we couldn't get her fever below 105. We tried everything. We called the doctor. It's a Saturday. He said, put her in a tub of tepid water. and pour the water over her head. I'm sorry. It's 30 years ago, but it's still yesterday. I still remember her standing there crying, no, daddy, stop. But I had to continue to pour the water over her head. I remember that day vividly, the tears streaming down the cheeks. Not hers, mine. Sarah, this innocent child, could not understand the pain I was, that I was inflicting upon her at that moment was done out of love for her benefit. The father that she loved, she trusted to protect her for her security, for her safety, for her very being was inflicting a horrible pain upon her. She stood there screaming, no, stop, daddy, stop. I found no joy in causing the agony. But for her own good, for her own health, I had to continue pouring the cool, tepid water over her head because I loved her, because I was protecting her, because I was keeping her safe. I was texting her this week. Her recollection of that event was there was ice cubes in the tub. (laughs) So we may be going through a difficult, painful, agonizing time right now. Where is God? He's there. I think this happens at times in our lives. We wonder where God is when we're hurting. He's there with us. Or we wonder if God is a loving God, why would he allow us to suffer like this? We wonder, but God knows. God knows what is best for us in the long run by bringing pain and hardship into our lives. It is not because he's some sadistic monster, but because he is a God of love who loves us beyond our wildest dreams. Tim Keller said, God only gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Paul assures us in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We are God's beloved, whom he has given his own son to take away his wrath from us. We stand fully justified before God at the moment we are saved. Nothing can take that away. 
But what is happening from this point on is our sanctification. God is purifying us. He is pruning us. If you talk to a, a farmer who owns like blueberry bushes or apple trees, they go out and they prune the plants every year. And they don't just cut the dead branches off. Sometimes they cut off the live branches in order to make room for more growth so that the plant or the tree can bear more fruit. God loves, God's love for us cannot be comprehended. We cannot imagine the depth of his love for us. We cannot begin to realize how blessed we are to have the creator of heavens and the earth call us his children. We are his people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a new nation. We are a new race. And if he has chosen us from this world, he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. The context of that is when a, a man was betrothed, he would go and build a house or add to the house of his parents' house for his new bride. And when it was finished, he would then come back. Our beloved is preparing a place for us. And when it is finished, he will take us there to be with him forever. Regardless of how you feel today, what you're going through right now, God loves you. He longs for you. He knows what you need. He knows what you need to be more blessed. And he will give it to you. Because our Father in heaven loves you. You are his beloved. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. You're a God of love. We thank you for the steadfastness of your love, that it never changes. That whatever you bring in our life is brought to draw us closer to you. Help us to see your love in our joys and in our hardships. Father, help us to show your love to those around us. We are the objects of a great love. Let us show that love and share that love to those who do not know you so they can experience the same joy. In Christ's name we pray, amen.